Welcome to the BBC, a wax cast based on collaboration, not competition. Between Both Cheeks is a world filled with beauty, bums, and billions of bucks. The hosts of the BBC are Luba, the badass boss bitch, creator and owner of international brands and beauty salons. Becca, once newbie and now experienced enforcer, she's hatched out of her egg and manages business with authority and a smile. And Ashley, a straight, shooting, spicy Italian. Hot off the global circuit, she's got expertise to share. Welcome to the BBC. Bring me your balls. No, Kelly Clarkson! Have you ever thought about starting your own podcast? Well, I can tell you firsthand that starting a podcast was one of the best things that we have ever done. But it can be really overwhelming to start out. Where do you begin? How do you do it? All the things. So many questions, right? How do you record audio and have it just go out into the world, into people's headphones and into their cars while they're doing dishes and cleaning and out on walks? Like I I can't say I understand the technology, but I can say that I know the easiest and the best way to do it. And that's with Buzzsprout. Buzzsprout is a podcast publishing platform, and it's so easy to use, and it can push your podcast out onto all major platforms like Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts. Anywhere you listen to podcasts, Buzzsprout can get you there. It's what we use every week. It's so freaking easy. I can't stress that enough. Like, we're still learning, and Our audio isn't the best all the time because we use Zoom for a lot of our episodes still. But even if you guys start out with just Zoom or just sitting in your closet using the voice memo app on your phone, Buzzsprout makes it that much easier to get that content and that audio out into the world and you can start building a brand, improving your business, or just shooting the shits with your friends. (laughs) Shooting the shit with your friends. I don't know if I can say that on an ad. Anyways, if you're interested in starting your own podcast, I super, 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 super encourage you to do so and go to our show notes, which is the show description, click on the link and you get to start your own podcast with Buzzsprout and you get an extra $20 Amazon gift card. It tells Buzzsprout that we've sent you and it really helps us out. Buzzsprout, the easiest way to podcast. Hello, everybody. This is the BBC Between Both Cheeks. Yes, we mean those cheeks, too. Thank you for tuning in. You can follow us on Instagram at Between Both Cheeks and subscribe to our podcast on Spotify, iHeart, iTunes, or wherever you tune into your favorite shows. Today, I have an amazing co-host and a couple amazing guests. I am solo because Becca is actually sick and Ashley is still dealing with a baby that will not sleep. So I am Luba, your host, and my co-host is the famous Miranda. (laughs) You've been on the show before. Welcome back. Otherwise known as Theo versus Fabulous, and I am so happy to be here and co-host with you. Amazing. Well, why don't you introduce your guest? So my husband is here with us today, Serge, or otherwise known as Dr. Cupcakes, the (laughs) ultimate caregiver. (laughs) Right. And I also have a special guest, my fiance, also known as the one Jake (laughs) or Jake. And again, an ultimate caregiver. So really, we just wanted to do a podcast today on... um, caregivers because 
I don't want to say that we get all the attention, but a lot of the attention is kind of put on us when people get ill, you know, people reach out to us on how are you doing, what's going on, and no one really thinks about what the caregiver has to go through. And I've recently seen a couple of videos of this amazing caregiver on Instagram, and I think I shared it with you, Miranda, where he was like, very upbeat and totally fine. And then screaming and crying in his car on like, this is what's actually behind the scenes. So we wanted to talk about on what this looks like, um, the raw truth behind it. I think that the, the raw truth is definitely an important aspect. And we also wanted to talk about, um, well, Serge actually wanted to talk about sort of his perspective on ways that we can kind of normalize those tricky and often uncomfortable situations, Mm -hmm. especially between dynamic between let's say husband and wife, the relationship very much changes and it shifts to something very different than Mm -hmm. what we're used to. And so we, we kind of wanted to touch on that as well. So I think all really great points. Um, So where did you want to, where did you want to begin? Do you want to? Yeah. I think that, you know, you bring up a really good point that the dynamics change and a lot of relationships can't make it through a cancer diagnosis a lot. Um, The books that I was reading, it was like 97% of men left their wives after a cancer. Like it blew my mind. And even just talking to a lot of warriors and survivors, how many people were divorced after it? Yeah. Like it, and then I looked at, you know, Dr. Cupcakes. I looked at Jake and I was like, oh my God, we literally have the most incredible men in our lives and they've never had an opportunity to share their story. Well, and the, the funny thing <laughs> Agreed. Is, you know, they're looking at it like often, you know, they, they see it as just a normal thing and something that, you know, that we do. You know, you take vows, you make a commitment to one another. And, you know, we say this often, everybody at one point in their life is going to get sick or go through a hardship or have struggle. It's not always perfection in life. And so the same is said for relationships, there is struggles. And so he always just says, it's what normal people do, but Mm. it's not the case. And so it's interesting to hear from other perspectives and even from you guys to kind of, you know, get out of our own bubble. So I guess. I'm, I'm going to just ask you to um, explain your perspective, like hearing those statistics, yeah. does that, how does that make you feel? Like, does that surprise you? I'm very surprised. I really did not expect uh, 3%. That's really low for something that, again, that I find that it's normal. Like mm-hmm. if somebody is ill, you're there to help. You know, if you look at it, often women are very there when men are ill. Like yes. they're there, they'll do anything. Like they'll like wash you. They'll. There's nothing that they won't do. So, I find it weird that men cannot do the same with the statistics you just gave. Because mm-hmm. I don't really follow statistics, so I didn't know that yeah. it was that high. Like, and just, just like Cole's notes here, it's not necessarily like a statistic. It was more all of the books that I was reading. Right. That yeah. every author was like divorced at the end or separated at the end, or like it was a very small amount. So. So do we think like, do you think that maybe it has to do like, like you were saying, women are more like the caregiver nurturer by nature. So do you feel like it's just less of a. For me, like I said, I find it normal. 
to be able to help someone like your wife mostly uh i'm not i don't call myself really a caregiver I'm more of a normal husband <laughs> that, uh, i agree yeah, that's, I, that's actually yeah that's a good point i because... find caregivers a big name like we did have caregivers that would come to the house and help us those are caregivers mm-hmm. you're a husband or a boyfriend or a fiance yeah. or whatever you're not you care give for the person you you help the person but your partner, your your partner. Not, yeah, exactly. The title is shouldn't be caregiver. So we can just say mic drop. Podcast is over. <laughs> <laughs> you know that that phrase alone. I'm a husband. I'm not a caregiver. That kind of sums up the mentality that I think that most people should encompass. Now that being said, like you said at the beginning, there is a raw, emotional, hard side to this. And again, that's to be expected because if you think about it, you know, we have that side as well. You know, we hide our, some of our mm. darkest moments and traumas and outbursts and screams and cries from our partner. So just as we would as, as the patient, the mm-hmm. caregiver, well, the husband or the caregiver, the caregiver is going to have those moments as well. And on that note, I just want to ask, um, between you two, because this is much newer for you, do you find, Jake, that you had a lot of those moments, or did you find it just, like, are, are you still kind of, like, getting your footing at this point? We'll be back after a quick break. Money is all around us, and we think about it more than almost every other aspect of our lives. But how can we make more of it, and what's our drive for building wealth beyond just the numbers in our bank account? Join us on the Make More podcast as our host Matt Heslin brings to you a dynamic lineup of experts in the world of investing, business, health, and beyond. Together, they unpack the secrets to not just surviving, but thriving in today's economy. It's about more than just wealth. It's about crafting life experiences, seizing opportunities, and building a legacy. Subscribe now to the Make More with Matt Heslin podcast and join us every week for new expert insights and inspiration. Uh, I, I mean, I, I pretty much wear my heart on my sleeve all the time, especially in front of Luba. So I, I, there was no moments that I tried to hide or shy away from her other than the fact that I didn't want to stress her out if I was feeling stressed. Um, I, I didn't feel, I didn't feel all that stressed about doing my role as a partner for sure. I felt more stressed that she was in pain or sad or, or she she was stressed. Her stress made me stressed basically. And, and I think as a partner, I just believe that she understood that, um, the focus was on her getting better and, and, and my stress was just going to be something that we, that was going to happen. And I, and I think too, I mean, we're focusing on a medical diagnosis and one of the partners being sick. Uh, I think that, I think the caregiver and the, and this, that terrible statistic is also based on any hardship in a, in a relationship. So I think, I think if someone like outside of medical diagnosis, if they're having a hardship that, that has that same, um, impact that the result might be the same for those couples like that. Yeah, so, or anything. Absolutely. Absolutely. And I, and I think, um, I didn't look at the diagnosis or what we were going through any different than any other hardship or up or down that we've gone through prior. So, um, 
which is so different for me and maybe because I was one that was diagnosed, but like two years prior, Jake's dad passed away. And that the year after that, my mom passed away. And those were really, cause that was our only family that was left. Yeah. So that was really hard on both of us, but we both stepped up together to get through that. This was a whole, like I could not function. And I didn't like, I thought my mom's passing was the worst thing that could ever happen. And that I would never, ever get over that. Um, this was like whole next level. Like I could not, I could not think like yeah. if, if he wasn't at my appointments with me, I wouldn't know what medicines to take. I wouldn't know when my doctor's appointment. Like all I heard was everything negative that the doctor was saying. So I would come out of um, doctor meetings and I was like, well, this, this is what I heard. And he's like, well, no, that's not what they really said. This is what, they, like, it was next level. So I don't know. So I think that like when, when we first were together on that note, I think that couples that go through hardships in general, they will typically be able to adapt maybe a little bit quicker or mm. it won't come as like, it comes as a shock, the diagnosis, et cetera, but the, the expectations and what to do and how to kind of jump into recovery mode comes naturally. Like I'll let you explain um, our, our mm. beginning, like when we were, not even dating yet. yes this is a beautiful story mm -hmm. well miranda got ill at work and well miranda started working with me so i trained her at work she was an amazing employee and uh she got sick well one day i heard that she was ill so i called everywhere to know which hospital she was in and we weren't dating at all like we were just friends but i have friends that have been sick and i've been there to try to help them uh uh, that's another story but a lot of few of my friends have been sick and I was there every day to try to give him a hand at the same time so Miranda when she got ill well, it touched my heart so I needed to go find her hospital so I called everywhere to find which hospital she was she was in the country so it's a harder hospital to find so I drove up there uh, with little teddy bear and things and since then I think I never pretty much I lived the hospital a little bit but not very often <laughs> I was pretty much there the whole time wow and it helps again to they when doctors come in and talk even if I didn't know her like you know we knew each other by name and you know work but it's nothing personal that we know but now when a doctor comes in to talk it's much more personal yeah, yeah it's like at one point you know they were asking they were saying okay, so we've rolled out all STDs. Yeah. We've rolled out oh. this, you know, they're going upon the- I was going- list. <laughs> yeah. I'm, I'm sitting there like, you know- I'm, I'm just, She's clean. <laughs> you're, you're sitting in this hospital room. You're, 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 you're with this person that you really care for, but at the same time, it's the beginnings of a, of a relationship. Yeah. And you're not even sure where it's going. And, you know, you have all the, the same thoughts that a, you know, normal young woman would yeah. have as far as like, does he like me or mm -hmm. is this going somewhere? But then you're also like, you know, the doctors are coming in and being like, so did you poop? You know, and I'm yeah. like, oh, my God. Ah, you know, like, <laughs> Can I answer yes? <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. That's wild. <laughs> I mean, yeah, of course, we have kind of a unique scenario of how we started and so later on it kind of you know laid the surface for a less uncomfortable like less less awkward uh situation very quickly 
but yeah. that's the thing is that if I could, if I could give anybody advice, like any other couple advice is it's just that, you know, there's going to be uncomfortable moments in, in life. And when, especially with illness, there's going to be things that you're exposed to that you typically wouldn't. And, you know, it depends on how open you are as a couple, everybody's different, but, you know, we made a pact at the very, like at the beginning of when I, when I got my, uh, you know, recurrence and I was re-diagnosed and we knew it was going to get messy. You know, we knew it was going to be different this time. We made a pact and he like Serge looked at me and he said, okay, now we have to agree that all of the, all of the uncomfortable things, all of the things that related like, you know, to illness. Yeah. Every, anything that's related to illness is off the table like we don't we don't talk about it later we don't remember it like if there's an uncomfortable time he's like if you he's like you know i don't remember how exactly you said it but maybe you remember a little bit better well if there is anything like you know there's washroom things sometimes mm -hmm. shower things that you know there's a lot of things that exposes a person like i don't want to say brings you down but makes you really really shy of something that can happen but i told her like anything that happens it doesn't care. Like yep. when it's illness related, I just forget it the next day. I'll never go like, oh my God, you know, like, or reactions. Like what, I guess like what he means, like what we mean is that like, we kind of made this, uh, you know, uh, informal pact with one another that anything that happens with the illness or any situation that was uncomfortable or unforeseen or whatever the case is, we won't bring it up later on and be like, Hey, remember that time when I was, you know, having to wash you in the shower or whatever. And like, you know, yep. like just there's certain things where it's like, okay, those things are part of it. And we, you know, we deal with them as they come, but they're separate from our marriage and our relationship mm. and, you know, our, um, like our intimacy, you know, like those yeah. are separate things. And that's why when Serge says like, I'm a husband, not a caregiver, like I'm a husband first. He, he just wants me to understand that like, he doesn't see me as a, as a cancer patient. And like Jake said, of course it bothers him when, you know, when I'm suffering or when I'm, when he can't help me, but that's what I, of course I wanted to say in return is that like, everything that you guys do helps us, you know, like yes. even, even if we are like, even if you feel helpless because you can't help us the way you want to take us out of pain or whatever the case is, everything that you're doing, like Luba said, if you weren't there, we probably wouldn't be able to have made it the way we did. So that's always an amazing com or uh, comment that Luba says all the time, because I, I look at Luba as someone's the strongest person in my, in my life. And if I wasn't here, I'm pretty sure that both of you would would make it through. I'm glad that we were or I was here to support Luba and 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 for sure and, and make anything easier. But I think when when Luba says that comment, especially, I'm always like, well, you should give yourself a little more credit because you you did make it through. That's it. Uh, yeah. I mean, we were there to support, and make it easier, but and you would have made it through. Um, it's with without us. The mental state that they have is so yeah. strong. Like, it's right? crazy. It's, yeah. It's amazing. It's but I, I don't feel that I don't I don't know about you, Miranda, but I like I don't think I could have made it on my own. So here's the thing. I'm at a stage where I'm very much like claiming my power and I'm yes. like I, I have no shame in waking up. I just yesterday I looked at Serge and I said, I am superhuman. 
Like mm. I, felt, <laughs> I, felt I am at a point where I literally, I look at myself and I look at my day and I look at the things that I do and I have no shame in being that, you know, confident person that says those remarks. Yeah. But that being said, I also recognize what you're talking about when we're not in the right state of mind, we are, uh, you know, whether it be because of treatment or whether it be because of um, bedridden, like you're bedridden. Well, was bedridden well for a time. yeah. And the thing is that we, I've been in the hospital plenty of times where they've, you know, messed up my medications and things. And these are like life or death medications for me. Like I take them to live. So when they make a mistake that, that if I didn't catch that mistake, so like, the mental strength, yes, I do agree. Like we are strong enough as women to have been able to figure it out and get through the day. I know we would have dug deep and been able to get through it emotionally, but there's certain things that just well, medication every day. Well, yeah, maybe yeah, every day, yeah. We'd find mistakes, and I never left the hospital. Like mm-hmm. she was hospitalized for ten weeks, one shot, and I slept in the bedroom <clears throat> for ten weeks. I never came back home. My wow. dogs were babysat at my friend's place and I had a hotel room in Montreal. It's another city like close yep. to us. Oh, you know, Montreal for sure. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> yeah, so we were in Gatineau, so it's three hours away. Yep. So I had a hotel over there. I never went to my hotel. I never seen it. I don't even wow. know what my hotel room looked like. So I've never, ever, ever left the hospital. Because of that, it makes a big, big difference like on medication, on treatment, yeah. on yeah. watching what doctors are talking about, you yeah. know, some people are pretty abrupt sometimes, so you need to put them back at their place a little bit. Yep. And I'm kind. Of, I'm not scared of her. I'm scared of my doctors. <laughs> I'm not scared of her doctors. Really. Wow. I can take them alone in a room, and I made a two cry because of what they were doing, and I did not accept it. Even treating badly the nurses that were treating us, it would come against us. You know, if if the nurses is bad treated by the doctor, it comes to us after because she's yeah. pissed you know she's not as nice as she should be right. so i picked up doctors just to tell them that they were like asses with the nurses really not nice and they would thank me after like they wouldn't be mad at all like it was just in the office we're talking about this and when we come out we're finished you're yep. still a doctor the respect is doctor it will never be called by your first name and yep that helps for the the person that's being taken care of at least you know you know someone is like battling for you at the same time yeah and also i don't know about you guys but when you're in these situations, you know, I, and some people do it alone and some people don't have like a primary, you know, person that's by their side always, but everybody should have somebody with them when yeah. it comes to going to appointments and things yes. for a second ear, for a second mind, for a second set of eyes to have the detachment from, you know, the emotional aspect, because sometimes we're unable, like where we get choked up, we're not able to advocate for ourselves in the moment. Mm-hmm. And so you know, helpful tips that I think we can sort of offer is when you go to an appointment or, uh, you know, you're going to get admitted into the hospital or whatever the case is, there's so many things that you can do and ask for that people don't think of asking for. Like if you're sitting in the cancer center and your appointment, you know, you know, your doctor's going to be late and you, you're sitting there like, you know, just days out of treatment, you're in pain, you feel like vomiting everywhere go like he he always goes to the you know the head nurse or whoever's running the department and he says my wife is really 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 not well right now we just traveled three hours can you please give her a bed we don't mind waiting as long as it takes for the doctor to come but can you please give us a room so that she can lay down 
And that alone takes a lot of pressure off of me. It takes a lot of stress yeah. off of me. And, you know, that's something that he's done from the beginning. He's never allowed me to be uncomfortable or, you know, in pain. And those are the ways that we can kind of relieve a lot of that. Um, it, like I find Serge doesn't allow himself to ever feel helpless with, he won't, if he sees that I'm not feeling well, he's like, okay, what can I do to make this situation better? He goes into like a proactive state. If and your bed is not comfortable at emergency, often it's like stretchers, you know, it's very yeah. uncomfortable. Yeah. Well, I get an electric bed right in the room as soon as possible. Like I'll go get it myself in the hallway if like, I have to. So they yeah. stop me and they bring one. He's and, relentless. Yeah. Like, like he just has yeah. no shame when it comes to me, but that's what he's saying. When it comes to him, he's like very mm. subdued and he won't oh, bother anybody. <laughs> and, you know, wow. I have to do that for him, you know, like, so that's the thing. It's just, we get this like kind of fierce protection over our loved ones. Yeah. Um, you know, that we wouldn't necessarily always do for ourselves. And, and I think that stops you from leaving. You know, when, when you say that people leave their partners and everything, it's maybe they don't see the vaccine. You know, they don't go to the doctor's appointments. Yeah. They don't yeah. see the partner in emergency. They don't see the treatments, how they're going yeah, through. Yeah, that's a really they good point. Work and they just come home and they expect the ill person to make dinner. Yeah, yes. Like, <laughs> they, they, it's like anything. If you don't see the behind the scenes effort of something that's happening, you don't appreciate the outcome or the results or, you know, the how far you've come right and so when when you like actually that was a good point yesterday we were talking about this and you said that you really have to not be scared to just insert insert yeah. yourself so just like if if your partner like i don't know um, goes to the washroom and an accident happens you can't be afraid to go in and just open up the door and just go help, but don't like, oh my God, what happened? You know, no reaction, <laughs> just get in there, clean it up or wash anything that you have to, then get out of there, but don't make it a reaction. You right. know, like, don't go like, oh shit, what happened? I'll just yeah, say, don't, don't add been, to the stress. We've been 10 years of this. So, you know, there's been a lot of weird stuff. <laughs> yeah. We had our share. Yeah. So he's saying like, just clean it up. I'm like, I'm sitting here like, what are we cleaning? But, yeah. <laughs> so that's also like, you know, when, when he says like, just insert yourself, don't make the person feel uncomfortable. Don't ever react. Try as much as you can to hide your shock or, you know, even if you are shocked, because there is shocking situations that happen. Let's be real. And, you know, we have to normalize these things. Yes. And when you, when you don't really insert yourself a lot and when you kind of distance yourself from your partner, you're not going to see all those, those kind of um, what, what I'm going to say embarrassing moments because there's been embarrassing moments for me. Yeah, for her, it's embarrassing. For yeah. me, it's just, let's, let's get it on. Let's yeah. finish this. Take the embarrassment out as oh. soon as possible. You know, like that's what's important. And like when it like when you're a patient, you're like hanging on to a thread, but then at the same time, you're trying to hold on to your dignity as a person. Yeah, as a that's person. The, yeah, that's yeah. the hard part. And and it's like when you when you're forced to be in some of these situations, like you know, there's only so many hits that you can take. And I will say that. There was only one point where I felt like I openly said, I feel like I lost my dignity. I don't, I don't feel, uh, I don't feel good about my situation anymore. And it had nothing to do with him, but it was just that like my body was failing me so much. Mm -hmm. And, you know, that's when I'm saying if I had not had him there, it would have been a nurse. It would have been a stranger 
taking care of me in those situations. Mm -hmm. And for me, we tried to avoid that as much as we could. Like, Mm -hmm. you know, there are amazing resources that people can have and that's okay. But for us, because we have the, uh, the ability to, to care for one another, he tried to limit the amount of people that were um, just personal hygiene, like, you know, mm-hmm. you ever gave her yep. a bed. I'm the one that would give the bed baths. Yeah. I have nothing against if you, have, if you need someone to give you a bed bath, yeah. which is yeah. completely normal if somebody's working, the person's not there, and yep. you need somebody to help you like, get their shyness away and do it. Yeah. But like, as soon as I felt that she was maybe uncomfortable, like, you know, feeling like having a bed bath because she was bedridden. So, so yeah. You know, it's different. You know, like oh, I com- yeah, I completely and is and everything. So I just come in with the the bowl and the you know you don't. I didn't even ask like, do you yeah. want a bath? Yeah, yeah. So tired. She would have said no. Yeah. You know, like, yeah. for sure she would have said no, but she was uncomfortable. So you just come, you know, with the bed bath thing, like the yeah. bowls and everything, <clears> towels, and just wash it up. You know, so and like I said, I didn't see anything wrong with it. Like mm-hmm. it was, I felt flattered. Like I felt flattered. Yeah, like it was a good thing. It boosted I up my morale. Uh, I felt better. You know, like there's a lot of things that made me feel great, even if some people would say like, "Oh, poor you." No, no, not for me. You'll go through it one day, and yep. you'll be old, so yeah. it's going to be hard. Harder <laughs> than I. I'm still like you know fairly young. I'm about three, four years older than Miranda. <laughs> so you know, like at my age, I can still do this. But some yeah. people like that say like, "Poor you, poor you," but when they get to their 80s and they have to do it, it's totally different. You know? yeah. I think, too, you, you kind of touched on the fact that as a husband and a partner or a fiance, um, you, the importance of paying attention to your partner, uh, like picking up those yeah. subtle hints or, or anticipating what could be coming. I, I think that's one of the reasons that... Uh, couples stay together in in all aspects of not not just the medical diagnosis but like to to be in tune with your partner as and sometimes you're out of tune we're out of tune every once in a while too but to try and stay in tune as much as you can is is a big important part of being the the person that needs to support someone in in need for sure like you literally you get to a point where you know your partner's cues before they know them themselves you know that's where we are it's like we we are at a point where I don't even know that I'm not feeling well or I'm uncomfortable or I'm anxious but he'll see me like you know doing this sort of like I'll scratch my head a little bit like you know long or something and then he'll he'll just say what's wrong what's 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 up what you doing what you feeling and I'm like uh and it takes me a second then I'm like oh wait I'm really really fucking anxious right now (laughs) you know like it just not what's wrong with you no no, no. that's not the best no. yeah what's happening yeah, what's happening yeah. what's going on you feel? like is there something happening that you don't feel well you don't never do what's wrong with you like, yeah. that sounds very aggressive yeah mm. wow yeah, so all of these tips on even just how to say things um i want to talk about that nurse that we had um doctor um the radio radiation oncologist remember his nurse that came in beforehand the Filipino lady yeah yep. so do you want to talk about that because that was like I feel that everyone should have her spiel <laughs> to tell everyone that has a caregiver with them or a partner with them so that that was the first and only nurse that addressed that Luba had someone by her side 
and and she like grabbed my hands and came in really close and said um you know your your lube is going to go through some really tough times and you have to be prepared to be there and 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 be open and honest and not shy and she brought that up many times like don't be shy don't be embarrassed um as long as you're both on the same page you 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 need the support as well as she needs the support which at the time i mean i thought those were lovely words to say and i was i was like i don't i don't think i need the support because my side when i was doing it is it's easy i mean it's easy it's not it's not i've had hard jobs <laughs> i had a paper route that i had to do in the snow that was pretty hard, <laughs> <That> was hard. <laughs> um but supporting luba and 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 doing those things that that could be embarrassing or or um or, or lo a loss of dignity for her, then then it was just something you do i mean it wasn't it wasn't hard and and i knew if i did them whatever i'm doing now will end soon and we can move on and 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 it can be in the past so um but she was the only person and and definitely afterwards you're like you know you get to think like yeah i, I guess i guess i'm in i'm in the situation i'm in deep with at the same time as Luba, I mean, the consequences to me are obviously different to her, but um, we're in it together and, and was the first time and only time a doctor or um, someone in the medical field has ever acknowledged that there's two people in in the shit at the same time. Yeah. So. yeah. I and she, how come you're not working? You know, like, yeah, you know, to work because I'm on. I have a, like a brain disease or something, so I can't <laughs> or something. <laughs> I have a little problem. I'm good, <laughs> so I can't work either. But some people are like, "Why aren't you working?" or things like that. Well, she's comfortable, you know. Like I'm taking care yeah. of my wife. Like I don't. I never say that I'm ill because people will think that I'm too ill to take care of her. So yeah. I'm right. Careful. So I always have retired. So it's a big yeah. thing. I make cupcakes yeah <laughs> duh that's it's, work it's so it's it's actually really frustrating how careful we do have to be with what we say and everything because it's like when you get to a point of um you know palliative care and when there's people like kind of inserting themselves into your business yeah it's like you know you you do have you have that actually you literally have to worry as a caregiver is someone seeing me as fit to take care of my partner? And that should never, ever be yeah. a question. I'm sorry, but it's like, you know, I am an adult. I'm not, I'm not a child. I'm not a, you know, like I'm not a dependent. And, you know, when they make those standards and things, I just find that it, it really changes the level of um, comfort and, you know, the, the paranoia kind of that you like it's, it's it's an extra stress that we don't need you know like we don't need to be uh wondering whether or not somebody is capable it's like of course mm -hmm. we're capable you know even if i look tired yeah it's like, like mm -hmm. I was up you know like around the clock <laughs> if she woke up i woke up if she yeah. would sleep i would clean and yeah. try to make dinners you know like prepare food and everything and yeah. then she would wake up again and trying to make jokes try to you know have fun with her like and again the cleaning and you know so it's personal. like you know with that you know on mm -hmm. on that actual note when you're a long-term caregiver you'll be kind of bombarded with people saying to you oh if you don't take care of yourself yeah. you won't be able to take care of your partner mm -hmm. and you and the thing here's the thing 
respite is a very good thing for people who require it, want it, need it, ask for it. But if you're not asking for it and you don't want it, he refused respite for so long because he said like, I will deal with myself in my own way. Mm -hmm. I will take care of myself in my own way. And I, if I need a break or whatever, you know, I'll use the time that I go to the grocery to, to cry in my car. Let me deal with how I want to deal with. But it was almost being forced upon us, you know, that he needed a break. And it's right. too much. We'll and pay a person $800 for the week to come and take care of her. Like, you won't even have to, like, worry or anything. And give me the 800 bucks and I'll stay home. Yeah, I'll stay home and I'll worry less. But it really yeah. does get forced upon you oh, yeah. as a caregiver. And it's mm -hmm. like, you know, we expect that there's going to be difficult times and there's going to be times where we both feel like freaking falling apart. But it's like, we want to do this together. That's our choice. Mm -hmm. An empowered choice is important to respect. And the problem is, is that in these situations, often the wishes of the patient and the caregiver are not respected. But you listen to those professionals often and you know, they're, you think that they're professionals, they should be. And they tell you like, do you think we should put her into a home you know like to like the end of day home i've been asked that fuck, every month 26, wow. 26 years old they and they were stop. and we have a place here which is called like metro from it's a no church that they, they converted mm -hmm. it to a place where people pass away within 60 days so wow. if you put someone there you know you, they, you got 60 days like you're you like know, people that's are, it. you're not allowed <clears throat> to go there unless you're at end of life yeah. and we were forced for two years, put oh, yeah. the pressure on us. Every time the nurses would come in just to like draw my blood, they would. So how do you think that you'll, how do you want to end your days? Like, you know, I'm French, so maybe that's not. Yeah, no, that makes that sense. That was the phrase that I heard. So like, yeah, how do you, said. well, that's it. How do you want to end your days? What do, you, what do you think would be more comfortable for you? And they would try to, her to say, I want to be placed. Wow. So they weren't coming only after me. And they were guilting me saying, you know, as like, you know, this is very hard on him. You can see he's very tired. Oh, that's gross. And, you know, that's this is like, <laughs> we, we got to a point where we didn't, I didn't feel safe being left alone with them in the house, wow. but they would trick us by being like, Oh, I forgot my alcohol swab. Can you go grab it? And they'd use that like 25 seconds. To I would just... leave to go get what they needed. And they would attack her right away. So right. I started telling Serge, like, I feel like vultures are picking at my alive body when I'm wow. like, when I'm, when I'm still here, like, you know, wow. I'd come back, she'd be crying. Well, when the nurse would leave, yeah. you know, I was there with her and she's like crying like crazy. Like, what, what the what happened? <laughs> Did I do something? I like, was, but I was, she would tell me after yeah. the nurse asked me again, if I wanted to be placed in hospice and, you know, like, Wow. Dying, and this know, is so. the worst is that he didn't even tell me all the things they were saying to him behind right. me. This right, is, right. This is what they were saying to me. But, you know, this is like, I was actually terrified that I was going to be removed from my home against my will and put into a home to die. Against my will. Wow. And yeah. I don't know if they can do that, but that's what was my, that's what I felt at the time. And living in that sort of fear is not yeah. good for anybody but they can get a lawyer you know yeah they can, yeah. Yeah, yeah. They can do it if they, they really feel anything like it, they want they to. can do anything they want they can get a lawyer to write us like a, a paper yeah. for the, the judge to say yeah at time you know and so it's very difficult for me today because i that's why i focus we focus so much on you know 
how well I'm doing and where I came from. It's like, you can't write somebody off because they're having a hard time. Yeah. And if they have this label of palliative care or whatever the case is, can't just like, it's not end of life care. There's a difference, you know? So we had to fight so hard for those, for that outlook. And so I just, now that I'm here and, you know, we still have the dynamic of caregiver, patient, whatever, but it's like, I'm alive and I'm here. Mm -hmm. And if that's what I mean by, if he had not been there for me, unfortunately, there was times where I would have been shipped to a home and I would have been- Those 60 days, you're pretty much sure that you're going to pass away. Because For sure. Yeah, you're- You know, they start recommending morphine every day. As soon as you say, ouch, my nail hurts, let's inject, you know, like, I have a headache, let's inject. That's what was happening to us at home. As soon as she'd have a pain, I would call. I had a 1-800 number I could call. I would call there. And they're supposed to send you a doctor. But they're trying to everything not to send a doctor. So I would say like Miranda has like very big cramps in her stomach. She's convulsing, you know, like she's really not feeling well. Oh, give her an injection. Like just boost up the dose. Like it, it was, wow. so and those injections are not, not easy. You know, like they're no. very hard and they're very stressful to give. Like, when do I do OD here? Like it yeah. was going to be an overdose this shit. Cause they always tell give her more, give her four milligrams, give her six milligrams. They're like, wow. But they don't like, think about overdose when you're palliative. They don't oh, think no, about it. No, they no. think of it as you, you you know grace, it's a good thing you gracefully passed in your sleep kind of thing they That's don't see wow. like this is truly and i know this is a very tough thing to hear and to talk about and it's not really something that it's it's hard for us because we want to shed more light on it what happens at this stage but at the same time i don't want to scare people mm-hmm. But I also want to scare people into knowing about it because if you don't know like ignorance is not bliss yeah of course and you're always listening to a doctor because they're a doctor. Yeah. Well, that's you're never true. questioning anything, right? Because they have a title. And that was the one thing that I, I mean, we didn't go through nearly what you guys had went through, but I remember being assigned to an oncologist and I had spoken to a girlfriend who was diagnosed years before. And it was just random that we had connected. And this is when I wasn't telling anyone that I was sick. Like I didn't want anyone to know. And you know how you just have some friends that know. And she just said, like in our conversation, she's like, how are things? Is everyone healthy? And I lost it. Like I lost it. And she's like, what's going on? So I told her and she's like, you need to see Dr. Gelman. She goes, Dr. Gelman was the only oncologist that when my sister was diagnosed with stage four, she went to several oncologists and they're like, you're, you're done. You're done. Dr. Gelman was like, no, we're going to, we're going to fight this and we're going to come through on the other side and everything's going to be okay. The only one. So I went back to my GP and I was like, I don't want to be with this oncologist, even though I had never met them before. Mm -hmm. I want to see Dr. Gelman. And he was like, well, you know, like. You've been assigned to someone you've been assigned to someone very quickly this and i was like no like this is who i want to see and she was like my angel on earth like she was the best person to ever come into my life through this difficult time um you know she would call me at eight o'clock at night 
like there, there wasn't a question that I couldn't answer that I couldn't leave a message and she would call not her assistant. And I was so happy that I fought for that and just didn't take no for an answer because the way that I was raised was like, well, that's a doctor or that's a judge or that's a lawyer, or you don't question anything they do because they have school and education and a title. So for me to go back to my GP and I was like, no, no, this is who I want. If, if I was going to give any tip for that kind of stuff, then uh, if it doesn't make you comfortable, if you have a doctor or a nurse or yeah. if something isn't sitting right in your stomach, then you should question it. And, and I don't think, I mean, I, we would never question, uh, we would never question medical advice from a, from a doctor on, on what we think, what he thinks you should do. But if it comes across and it doesn't seem right or fit or align with what you're feeling or thinking, then there's nothing wrong with questioning it or, or finding someone else or getting a second opinion. Like people are so shy. Um, and because we, we go back and forth to the States a lot in the States, a second opinion is almost mandatory. Yeah. Nobody yeah. believes what they hear first. So they always get a second opinion. And in Canada, we seem to be a little more, uh, kind and don't want to, I, like, I couldn't tell my GP, mm, I don't think, I think I'm going to go find another doctor just to see what they say. Yeah. <laughs> I don't want to be rude, <laughs> but that's, just that's the waiting list. You get in yeah. the waiting list for no, years. Yeah. <laughs> we, will, we will sooner die than be rude. What we perceive yeah. as rude or speak up. And it's like, you have every right as a patient, as a person sure. to fire a doctor for yeah. yep. a new doctor. Like, you know, there's, there's, of course there's situations. There's even situations where they'll say, we cannot give you a new doctor because in the same province, you can't switch to the same yeah. specialist or whatever. There's always a way around these things. Yeah. And so, you know, you, you cannot like, like Jake said, if you're uncomfortable or even just have like a little bit of an uneasy feeling, or like you said, Luba, just feeling heard and feeling like you have support and that it's not just going to be like, you know, impossible to get through to the office or call the secretary and then, you know, be bumped around. Those are all so, so, so important points. We yeah. have to get the secretary to make me, make her see a doctor or something. I go to the hospital. I sit in the hallway where the doctor works, like in his, like, you know, there's a bunch of rooms that he works in. I sit in the hallway and I wait until he comes out of her room and I just go get him right in the hallway and I need you to see Miranda right now. <laughs> and the secretaries don't really like it. But yeah. I don't give a hoot like I just sit there and wait until the doctor comes out and I go get him because you can't get an appointment before eight no. months no of course happens in eight months like you know yeah exactly that's it yeah so and I mean I'm such a huge believer too in that like everything happens for a reason and things align so when I hadn't spoken to this woman in so long and she asks that question and I decide to share that with her and she's like this is who you have to see like it was no question in my mind that I was not going to let that opportunity pass because that happened the way it was supposed to happen. And she was supposed to be my doctor. And I was supposed to talk to Marilyn on that day to find this information out. So I wasn't going to just let it go. Right. Do, do you, do you guys find when you're speaking to doctors and, and nurses and things, and they're trying to explain stuff that uh, do you find it difficult to ask them to elaborate or talk in a, or talk in means and terms that, that we, I'm not that smart. So I ask doctors all the time, like slow the speech down and talk, <laughs> talk in smaller words. Yeah. I'm in construction. So, um, we, we do it, but it depends on the curveball that they throw you, you know, like if like it, it's hard. Week. So it's, it's, I think the, the reason why we're struggling with that question is because 
um, in theory, yes, we, we have no problem asking them to, you know, give us a little more information or, you know, um, we'll Explain ask that. what something Break means. It down. Yeah, mm -hmm. like we'll say like, okay, so what, what does that mean though? And we, we don't mind saying it four times, like, but what does that mean? And right. we'll just keep, we'll, we'll, we're, we are relentless. But the problem with my disease is that I'm often the more, like, I, I hate to saying this, I sound arrogant, but I'm often the more, um, the one who has the, the bigger words and the things that people can't understand. It's typically me that's talking about those things where the doctor's kind of like, you know more than I do. Yeah, right. yeah. I get, I get that often. So why am I here? <laughs> they, wow. Wow. They often refer to me and they say, so you know more about your disease than I do. So let me know what's going on. And oh then I'll, I will see how I can help you. And honestly, that sounds like a, like a crazy thing. It seems like something you wouldn't want, but it actually is the most beneficial thing that for a rare cancer that a doctor can tell you. Because if they shut you down as a patient, knowing that you've researched, knowing that you have a you know huge network of advocacy support, and you have all this information available to you, if the first thing they do is say, okay, Google, well, you know what? I have a medical degree, so like I'll be the one to, to run this show. You would know right off the bat that it's not going to be good, and you can't rely on that doctor for this situation. For us, it's an emergency is the worst. Yeah. You know, when you go to emergency oh, before you can see, they go upstairs to see a doctor. Yeah. That is the worst spot. Like they know everything. They play with your meds. Like they'll drop one, put one up to yeah. see if it will be better. It's horrible at emergency, uh, and mostly with the title of palliative, they stick us in a room where it's as far as possible. Shut a door because oh. they say like they don't want people to infect us, so they shut the door. It's like a sliding door. Yeah, and like we're in, we know we're locked up in there, and it's done. Like I have to bring my own medications to yeah. make sure because they'll they'll withhold wow. medications yeah. from me. Like when we go to the hospital, it is a like it's a, a shit show. Yeah. Can I say fuck? But yeah, it's a it's yeah. an absolute marathon. <laughs> it's like it's you know we have to be like I when I talk like talk about my cute videos and say like what to put in your hospital bag. It's like. I'm not joking. Like I have to have that hospital go bag at, on my door. You can see it. It's hanging there at all times because I know that in this, in the event that there's something wrong with me, we are going to have to fight like you wouldn't believe to get basic care. And, you know, I have to have a, like a folder and all of my things. And it's just, it's so difficult to, to navigate this world. Nurses will thank for the folder. Mm -hmm. Yeah, of course. Yeah. They're the ones in a way taking care of you while you're there. Doctors will like, okay. Or some good ones will keep it right on their, uh, you know, their little office when they, yep. come, and they're around there in the middle of the emergency room, they will yep. keep it there and they will treat it like your Bible. You know, they will really check it out. But normally doctors don't give a hoot. Like you tell them, I'm all prepared. Here's all the protocols. If I go into anaphylactis or anything happens. Yep. And they like, okay, we know how to do, it. you know, like, oh yeah, no, you don't. You know, it's like, they'll say like, yeah, we know how to give an EpiPen. And then I'll be like, okay, I have pheochromocytoma. You give me an EpiPen, I'm dead. Like you're giving me, you're giving a person who secretes epinephrine, epinephrine. That's a bomb of epinephrine waiting to happen. Not a good thing. You know, there's just so many things that we have to just fight for. And 
like just to just to get by but even us as caregivers we have to fight as mm -hmm. caregivers, yeah. I call yeah. it, we still have to fight for because often she's like you know, yeah. yeah she's yeah. not in a coma but she's like really yeah. not feeling well she can't talk too much so i have to push you know in a way for them to listen and so let let me ask this of both jake and serge um have you guys ever had a breakdown that we have not seen yeah. yeah 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 for sure yeah when she was for she spent her like 10 weeks in the hospital like every night i was in my car in the parking lot and just like i was allowed to blow up who cares and then i would go back up and super shape and you know let's go let's boogie on this like and it's not just luba like it's not just like crying and like you know yeah i find men maybe it's a testosterone thing or whatever but a lot of the time there's like a underlying rage that oh, would, yeah. the security yeah. guard oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. it's yeah. not a typical oh yeah I've, I've i've seen the rage yeah so it's like nurse. <laughs> with yeah. the nurse yeah they're very calm men typically and then you know you can notice that their demeanor changes in random yeah. situations you know they'll be easily irritable or and they won't it's not on us yeah. it's on the gas station attendant or yeah. the someone completely random but yeah it's just you at kind the, of at the hospital when i would leave her room at night like i'd go like there's always a subway in the hospital or something mm -hmm. they would send security guards to watch me because i would wear my tube <laughs> dark glasses and have a mask on and i look like a like you know unibomber and i didn't give a shit the security would run after me in the back of me and it was just you could see them watching me. They, they thought I was going to go kill a patient. <laughs> I was just going to get my subway, but I loved that they were scared of me. It was so fun. At least someone was scared of me. Like I was scared. <laughs> yes. Scared. Yeah. So I would just like, it was a real thrill for me. Almost got a boner on it. Like I was so happy. <laughs> <laughs> We're allowed to talk here. <laughs> it's fun. It's actually nice to hear. It's not nice, but it's nice to hear this side, this these things, because it is something like, you know, like I said, your, your mind changes, your personality changes. There's a lot of things and it comes back, of course, but there's times where it's like, you know, like he said, he was like almost seeking like a, like a rush or something to yeah. kind of distract from all of the the rush that was happening and so and i don't even now we go to malls and people think i'm her bodyguard like i'll move everybody around nobody's allowed to touch her nobody's allowed to come like there's a six another three foot circle there's a six <laughs> if anyone comes into it it's just yeah and like i i always put my hand behind her back when we're walking so nobody can come close like I still have that protective yeah. was very ill. The people would touch her wheelchair. Yeah. People would be yeah. like, oh my God, you're in a wheelchair. You're so young. <laughs> yeah. You know, yeah. you everywhere. It's not a fucking dog. Yeah. <laughs> and I had to push over people. Uh, it was really something, but I still have that. Each time we go to the mall or we go somewhere, I have my hand behind and I just say, we're going to need that now. She's getting more and more famous. Yes, <laughs> I know. I, I was going to say, you don't have a caregiver. You have a handler. <laughs> um, before I forget, I want to ask, like, both you and Jake. Jake first. How do you, like, when, for other caregivers, when you have those moments and you have those, like, you know, kind of not yourself moments, whether it's you're angry or whether it's you're breaking down or whatever the case is, 
what is your advice? Like, is your advice just to like, let it go, let it happen? You know, what would you tell people? I think I would probably first acknowledge that those, those moments are going to come. Like, don't, don't think that that breakdown isn't going to happen. Um, and then if you, and if you acknowledge it, then, uh, I just, I just used outlets that I normally, like I go golfing or I'd go to the driving range and hit a thousand balls versus the hundred balls that I used to hit. And every single one I would swear at, or, you know, go to the car and, and have your breakdown and scream and yell and cry or whatever you're going to do. But, um, I think as soon as you acknowledge that those, those times and moments are going to happen, then it's okay for whatever way it's going to come out. Um, it, that just let it happen. Just, just, um, but don't hide it because as soon as you, as soon as you think that those things aren't going to happen and then they do happen, then you, you're almost forced to hide it and suppress it. And for you, like, I'm, I'm going to ask you to answer the exact same question, but also when do you feel it's a good time to be open about it? Well, I tried to be open about it. I, I've asked for a psychologist to help me out. And uh, at my third appointment, my psychologist asked me to overdose Miranda. I have the paperwork. I, have, I went to the police station. I have all the college of uh, psychologists at the college there. They agree with me. She retired. Like I had it on recording. That's we were on like we were on the news and she tells me and so, like when you at night when you give her an injection just wait till she falls asleep and then give her a real one and just wait and that's insane on one nothing just let her go that's what i had for my psychologist so she, oh. she literally said and again this is all on recording oh, no it's on recording like and I, I have proof of this. i'd like to just also put out there that that killed there, me we there's been no justice served there's been no charges no. because she retired as soon as i made the complaint to the police she retired so because she retired nothing counts of what she did <sighs> as a psychologist it doesn't count so as soon wow. as i want to make my report they the police officer they jumped like oh my god this is attempted murder or they, you know they, they solicitating actually, for murder they said solicitation of murder yeah. that was yeah. the term they used and <sighs> i didn't and the reason, so this is why we're talking about it is because in this in certain cases, we're not saying to not, um, you know, it's always good to go, no, go see a psychologist for I your mental health. I got the bad one. But what we're saying is that, you know, there, when people say unbelievable things, when yeah. they're in these situations, yeah. they're not unbelievable. They happen every single day. And until we experience them ourselves, we, we find them unbelievable, but now I'm not shocked by anything. I was I so traumatized. Like, I, I can bet. imagine. Like, I you're bet. you're already vulnerable. You're looking for an outlet and help for yourself. And that's the guidance that you get. He was being pushed to seek help for his mental health yeah. because of how heavy everything was yeah. around our situation. So he finally caved and said, okay, I'll get help. And, you know, that that psychiatrist literally told him to euthanize me like a broken animal like she told him to overdose. for my problems it lasted because i had three appointments for my problems half an hour my problems were settled then it was her my problem he she, like, she i did not have any problems i have like severe headaches i have like a little bit of anxiety you know there was a little things that i had yeah so i was i was fixed in a half hour now my real problem was what was happening at home 
So that's when wow. it, the third appointment, it turned into what I just so said. So she convinced him that until, until yeah. I am oh, yeah. no longer a problem, he will not be free. Yeah. And after she oh passed away, I'll see you for six months to a year and a half and you'll be a brand new man. So he's, she's, she literally- And she, I, I swear, I have it on recording. I can play it. She mapped out wow. the plan of how to, like in order, she said, I can't help you until, until she's, she's passed. Like, that's it. And you won't heal until she's passed. So that's why she directed him. She said, like, she was asking questions leading up to it. You know, who controls her medications? Who does oh her- Oh my God. And so he said, like, I do everything. Like, I'm I'm her primary caregiver. And that's when she, on the third appointment, said that, you know, just wait until, you know, she's not feeling well. Give her her injection. And, and then yeah. when she goes to sleep, give her another one and she'll she'll pass. And then I'll be able to help you at that moment. That's insane. This is like a Netflix documentary. This yeah. is like a and, whole. you know, when, like, he, so this is, wow. this is the thing. He didn't tell. So that's why I'm asking when do you find it appropriate to tell your partner wow. and open up about these types of things? This situation he kept for me because of how sick I was. Oh and God. I'm thankful he did. It but I also, because it would, yeah, because of course you're not in the right mind anyways. And you're very sick. Like I was, you know, now you're thinking like, okay, am I really that much of a burden? Right, right, you know, right. Like, is he going to, you know, I'm not saying like, I would have thought that he would have done it, but I'm, I'm just th saying that like, it's it would just, be questioned. Yes. Yeah. You believe, sure. did he believe the person? Yeah. 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 You know, you're asking, you know, you're asking yourself like, okay, well, why did that even come up? Is it because uh, he said I was a burden? Right, sure, right, yeah, right. Absolutely. So you, of course you're going to ask all those things. And thankfully like you said, Luba, everything happens for a reason. So I was going through his phone in his recordings for an old appointment to refer back to something that my surgeon had said. And I happened to come oh across the recording and I was like, what am I listening to? And then I, and then I asked him. Because I was emotional. You know, yeah, of course. And he was like, you know, he was going French and English <clears throat> and I was hearing like clips and I was like, what, what is this? And then I, I asked him, I'm like, what is what is this and he's like and he just broke he lost it and he finally like he he told me everything this was months later and he told me all of the details he let me listen he's he warned me like of course before saying anything and I was in much better condition at that point like mentally and physically and everything so I immediately like you know we we digested and then we said you know okay I like I was I like I, I said she can't get away with it mm. and this can't go unsaid because if she's doing this to other people yeah. someone yeah. may you know if she's done this if or she's done, done it yeah. Yeah. nonchalantly it's because she's saying these types of things to other people so we wanted to first and foremost we wanted to make sure that it wasn't going to happen we were on the news we went on the ctv news it was on the news oh. and everything and to go on the news they verified so they of went, course. Of doctors, course. They went like everywhere. They listened to my recordings and they sucked it on the news. And uh, wow. like it, it really happened. Yeah, CTV had to verify all of the information in order to quote the, because they quoted the recording on the, the news yeah. thing. And so they needed to verify that it was real and everything. If you Google Miranda or me, CTV News, you'll get it. It's right there. So we yeah, didn't. Incredible. We we didn't want to name the. Uh, they wouldn't let us name her at the time, um, in the in the news article. 
because of like, you know, law suits and things that could have potentially happened. But we're sitting here today as a, you know, I'm a health, like I consider myself, you know, a vibrant, I'm not going to say healthy, but like, you know, a vibrant, healthy. I am healthy, you know, like I'm healthy in the way that I, I perceive myself to be. And I'm 30 years old and this all happened in the last few years. And that's why I'm saying if we had let these things come, you know, into our life in that way, the outcome would not have been the same. And so, you know, we're sitting here today with zero justice, zero repercussions of any of this happening. We don't feel safe, uh, you know, asking for support and things. For sure. Yeah. What we do is we 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 use our story and our situations and things as an outlet to just help other people and just know that like, you know, but it's hard to just like, you know, lead with that. Like, how do you just lead with that information? You know, people are either going to like, they won't fully grasp like what's no. what they're hearing or you know it's just it's so difficult to know how she to... was uh 27 or 28 we had to go in a Gatineau hospital we yep. were on the palliative floor so they told us if she doesn't sign a dnr she's not staying here so we said no she won't sign a dnr a dnrs do not resuscitate yeah, yeah. she passes away no oh way. my god yep. so she doesn't sign it she's out we were out within a few hours they kicked us out because she didn't want to sign a DNR. I was sent home to die yeah. at 28 with ravaging pneumonia at the time. Yeah, she was a, she had pneumonia. I had to buy, I had to go buy the machine that yeah. makes the smoke out of your face to make her breathe. Well, you had to buy me a breathing tubes. machine and everything. To, I have to... it here. I have all the breathing machine. I got everything here that they would do to the hospital for you if you would have pneumonia. I have the same machines wow. here. I cannot intubate. But I got all the rest before intubation. I have what I need. So he had to keep me alive because I would not sign a DNR. And that's when we, that went after that happened, we got out of Dodge. We left, we, we, when, when the police wouldn't do anything about the psychiatrist and when. They I came was, to arrest me. When they called him about the psychiatrist, they wanted to arrest me, bring me into a mental institute, not her. <laughs> yeah. so this is like, like care, caregiving to another level. Like, yeah, it's like, wow. I know they came I, three times to our house to do a wellness check on me because I was calling for help to help me out because I couldn't yeah. take it anymore in my head, the psychiatrist. Yeah, yeah. of so course. I was to get help to, get, to go get her, but it was me that they were coming to get. So I'm in bed, he's not home, he's at the grocery, and I have like six police officers banging down my door in this incredibly like secure, expensive apartment in Montreal, and I'm terrified, don't know what's happening, and I'm not answering the door because... Just because I called, I called another, like, I wanted to need help, I was in Montreal, of course. So why not try another one? So I of called, course. she says, like, uh, you know, leave a message, leave a detailed message, and I'll get back to you. So I was like, well, great, I left a detailed message. She's cops. <laughs> I had six police. Well, she was home alone. I so was then, in my car doing yeah. it. Six police officers came to our house thinking that it was like going to jump off the balcony or kill her. The, the <laughs> cops misinterpreted, the, the therapist misinterpreted the information as he is thinking of euthanizing me. Oh. Yeah. Instead yeah. of instead of listening to the message and hearing that you know he needs help because of the trauma yes. of the therapist saying that they misunderstood, so they sent the police to our house to do a wellness check to see what was happening, and wow. but they didn't ask questions. They didn't you know calmly like we're the victims, but we were victimized. And yes. that, since that day, 
since all of this has happened, like uh, I'm, I'm telling you, we don't feel safe, but at the same time, we every day take back our power by doing what we do and not being scared to talk about it. And so, yes, we weren't planning on talking about this today. Sometimes it just comes out casually. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. you know. <laughs> but yeah, it's like yeah, it's the first time I talk about that psychologist thing. Wow. I just keep this. this but I mean, like, thing. what a what a big part of your guys's journey, and especially as a caregiver, to go through all of that at the same time. I mean we we were so lucky like i wanted to talk about i know we were going over time here and stuff but i you know just want to talk about like culture for example like work culture because jake was working full-time through covid through my cancer through my you know my business shut down everything and he was the what probably the busiest he's had ever been with work um not once did his company his boss ever say like oh you can't go sit through a six-hour chemo appointment with luba like it was not even in question it was whatever we needed he needed to be there to support me like he didn't miss any any appointment and how important that support is versus someone i mean your guys this is a whole other level um but what you lived if you found it hard I found it hard. It's the same thing. Yeah. It's a ratio. It's a ratio. Different yeah. hard, you can you know? never, ever compare never. one to the other. Uh-huh. It's like this, all of this stuff is incredibly it's hard it. and there's not one person that has it more difficult than the other. It's just, it just is, it is hard. Mm-hmm. But the things to think about, right? That if, you know, Serge, you said it like everyone's going to get sick somehow, sometime, somewhere what situation are you currently in with your current employer or your current situation or your current psychologist or psychiatrist? I mean, thankfully I had a psychologist I've seen for like the last 25 years. So when the hospital was like, you know, you should get help. Like, here's who we recommend. I was like, Oh no, I got my own people. Like, I'm just going to go to this person that knows my history of 25 years to guide me through. And was she like a cancer specialist? No, but she knew so much about my history that I felt comfortable and vulnerable enough to share it with her. Um, and I think people need to look at that situation on who you work for, what the support is, what the culture is. Um, because I think, you know, with what your company did, like you just want to work harder for them. Oh, absolutely. We were the same. Yeah, I would have quit if they if they didn't let me anyway. I mean, that yeah. was just- That's the sleep, sleep Country Canada we worked for. Yep. They are so amazing. Like, like you call in for a sick day. I hope you'll be better tomorrow. If you're not, yeah. we'll yeah. we'll fix you up tomorrow. They, they're so amazing. And most beautiful company I've ever, ever worked for is them. Yeah, they've supported us in so many different oh, yeah. ways. And like they we- support us too, by the way. All our mattresses we bought there. <laughs> <laughs> no, we support them. <laughs> you know, it's it's just that work, that that comfort level and that security about, you know when something happens if something happens yeah being able to feel comfortable in your circumstances and your yeah situation, it is important to ask yourself those questions and it doesn't matter like i'm the prime example this this all started when i was 19 so you know, you know you're never too young to think about disability insurance life insurance life insurance protection on your car on your house on your things yeah. it's like you you know these are these are all questions that you have to be able to ask yourself like you said you know like what kind of support system do i have what kind of people are in my life you know like you you want to ask yourself those tough questions sometimes you know like if shit hit the fan like yeah what 
what would what would my situation look like and of course you won't know until it happens you know yeah and I, I think that's such a good example too of like you know who are the people in my life right now while I'm healthy you know maybe these books that I was reading of these authors and stuff that you know they they parted with their partners because it was never a healthy relationship to begin with but we stay because it's comfortable and no one ever thinks they're going to get sick. I mean, Miranda, you were in your twenties. I had just turned 40. I like, when I found the lump, I was like, Oh, this is interesting. I should just go get this checked out. Never was I like, Oh my God, this is cancer. And I'm going to go through hell for a year. Yeah. It was never the case. Right. But so many people, how many, how many times do you hear it? Like, Oh, well, you know, like we've got kids together. We've got a mortgage together. Oh, it's be so difficult. Well, when shit hits the fan, then what? That's the thing. Like when we when we go when we all go through the shit that we've been through, it's like when I hear people make those things. I I, I sometimes I sometimes I do it and sometimes I don't. Sometimes I just can't. You know, you can't save everybody. You can't enforce your your opinion on everybody. But I try as much as possible to make people see life through my eyes and yeah. let them know that like it is not worth. It's not worth being miserable every day for that, for this. It's like your happiness and your quality of life is the most important thing that you can have in this life. And so if you're in a miserable circumstance, whatever small or big it is, there's always an opportunity to change that. And don't let it, don't wait until a cancer diagnosis to make that change. Yeah, yeah if you're yeah that's what i did (laughs) i think i think that's exactly what you said almost at the beginning of the podcast was that when you're you're taking your power back and you're you're accepting your power i mean every situation that we've been in the impact on you uh and your mental state is up to you on how much power you want to give that that uh that incident that event that that scenario um how much power you want to give it because um I mean, a lot of people look at me and say, oh, you know, Jake's just chill and he, everything was water off a duck's back. Um, but a lot of it is for me is I'm just not going to give it that. I'm not going to sit there and be miserable and give it that power over me. Like yeah. I, my, my feelings towards things and my stress is, is mine. It's nobody else's. Mm-hmm. And, and I can, I, I, and you struggle with it. I mean, it's not easy, but you, you are you as a person have the ability to decide what stress level you're going to accept um when people make comments like you know oh you're so positive like you know oh like you know then people assume that you know you're it's either not that bad because you're yeah. you know, you're mm-hmm. so happy or you're so positive or they you know or they admire you a lot and you know, they think you're very strong but it's like you know often i just i just sit back and i say to myself like if you only knew yeah yeah god or the universe or whatever you want to call it never gives you more than what you can handle that's right my mom used to always say that God gives you more than what you can handle so if he's giving you this type of bs you can handle it that's what they say I don't know. Now, some people get <laughs> angry, you know, some people get super angry when they hear stuff like that because it's like when you're in the thick of it, you're of like course. you're Why like me. Well, yeah, it's like I can't handle this. Like yeah. nobody should have to handle this. Yes. Look, look, look. We came out on the other side. You handled yeah. it. So, mm-hmm. you know, I don't know. There's just there's there's so many aspects of all of this and, you know, there's still like you can 
we could talk for days and days yes. and days. All so these this is William. <laughs> <laughs> oh, he I love his Miranda's life. He saved Miranda's life like numerous times. When Miranda's ready to get an attack, William jumps on her and licks her to tell oh, her wow. to come. And as soon as she has her attack, he wants to bite her. Like oh, after wow. that, he doesn't want to know anything about her. And we have our other little one, Christopher. He comes to comfort Miranda when she had her attack and she doesn't feel well. So he tells wow. us what's going to happen. And the other one goes Comforts. when it happened. Yeah. yeah. So there's different forms of caregivers. <laughs> of course. And those, those of you that are listening in your cars right now and, and aren't watching this on YouTube, just so you know what we're talking about is these are, these are dogs. These are animals. These are not children. <laughs> Uh, just to give you a, a, a picture in your head for this. Um, we've definitely went way over time here, but I had a feeling we were going to do this. As we wrap up, what is your guys' advice, Jake and Serge, on self-care for caregivers and yourself on how you took care of yourself during the crazy times? I like massages. <laughs> well, go with the flow. Get a massage, get yeah. a facial, yeah. you know. It's hard to give an answer. Everybody is so different. Yeah. Like some people will break all the furniture. Some people will go mm. for a massage. You know, like yeah. just. Do... I can answer pretty well for him, actually. Go for it. Yeah. Not, not, not because I want to speak over go. you, but just he always tried. Anytime that he was going to do something for me in order to make my life less stressful, he would involve himself at the same time. So whether it was you know, booking a spa appointment, getting a facial or whatever the case is, we would always do everything together at the same time together. Mm -hmm. And the reason why that's important is because the stress of leaving someone who's sick doesn't sometimes benefit you because if you go, let's say to go, you book a massage and you leave your wife at home and you're worried about her the whole time, the experience wasn't beneficial because you were just stressed yeah. to your max. Whereas if you bring that person with you to whatever, you know, you're looking to do, you're going to enjoy the experience together. It brings Absolutely. you closer. It reminds you that you're married, that you're having intimate fun moments. And at the same time, it's taking care of your well-being. So the best advice I think that we have is just to do, do fun things, do things often, do them together and just do everything you can to kind of forget about what's happening, to distract yourself from what's happening and do things you enjoy just do things you love so whether mm -hmm. that's golf or whether that's yep. you know whatever the case is strippers yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> do it with excitement have fun <laughs> not during covid <laughs> so just before we wrap up here i'm going to go through the room if you guys want to share your social media handles how people can follow you watch you please do so jake are you sharing that information or are you yeah. private it's, it's at the one jake okay it's on instagram so me it's Theo versus fabulous everywhere you can search me in multiple ways that's all of my social media accounts and for surge it is dr cupcakes well it's dr cupcake goes keto that's my <laughs> perfect awesome. well thank you so much everyone for listening you can follow us at between both cheeks on god we've got twitter we've got instagram we've got tiktok you can listen to us on all platforms on spotify iheart buzzsprout anywhere where you listen to your favorite 
um, podcast. I was going to say cupcakes. Wow. Um, <laughs> thank you so much, Miranda, for hosting this podcast with me and tune in next week. Thank you for having us. Thank you very much. Thank you.